Hello, this is Scott Jens. Welcome to Sandbox Stories. Hello, and welcome to The Sandbox Story, which is an interview with Dr. Kenji Hamada. Dr. Hamada, thank you for joining Sandbox Stories. Thank you, Dr. Jans. In my view, you're a real institution to our profession. You know, um, everyone that meets you feels like you've become one of their very good friends and vice versa. And I'd like to talk about your eye care career, but first I wanna talk about your real strong commitment to others. You're enjoying retirement. You've had a tremendous career in optometry. And one of the things you told me is you're supporting Pacific University's uh, College of Optometry's upcoming 75th anniversary. Why do you support your alma mater with your time and efforts? Well, it is where I started, and I'm grateful that I have joined uh, the university to become uh, uh, one of the one of the supporter of a good, great institution, which which uh, uh, have given me opportunity to where I am today. And so I'm grateful to give something back. Uh, what my mother said is share instead of a give, giving back, sharing back what what I have. And and it's not much, but it's I do have few, a little bit better than others. So it is my commitment to uh, support a school like that. But also I would I have also supported the uh, SCCO. I was board of trustee of SCCO by their invitation, and my good friend, uh, Dr. Uh, Les Walls, invited me to uh, join their uh, trustee, board of trustees. And so I continue to support them. And furthermore, I also uh, support uh, 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 schools of optometry in Japan and in Kikuchi and Tokyo College of Optometry, where I came from, my birth uh, you know, a country of a Japan as well. Is is this message then that sharing your time or your resources back with your College of Optometry important because the next generation benefits from what you've already benefited from? Absolutely. Uh, uh, I think that there's a brighter future out there, but being involved, as you know, will give you opportunity to open your eyes and horizon and and uh, be successful servicing, uh, serving our patients in the community and in the industry, just overall. And, and you support communities outside of optometry. In Tuscumbia, Alabama, the birthplace of Helen Keller, um, you've helped an inspirational camp for youngsters with severe vision or hearing impairments. How did you get involved with that? Well, Helen Keller is like a saint in Japan. Back in 1948, Helen was uh, dispatched, I shouldn't say dispatched, but asked to be an ambassador to Japan, goodwill ambassador to Japan. And uh, she has inspired, not because of her life story, 
beyond that is uh, she was a very compassionate and uh, inspirational and supportive of uh, Japan where they were devastated by World War II. And with that in mind, uh, I landed in, in Tuscumbia by invitation of my good friend way back uh, when there was an AOA Congress in Chicago. Unbeknown to me, I was invited to join them at the pizza and uh, by uh, a president of uh, uh, AOA's uh, Optometry Care Foundation, Dr. Martha Morrow from Red Bay, Alabama. And her husband, uh, former uh, Alabama House of Representatives, and I was brief where they are coming, uh, where they are from in the birthplace of uh, Helen Keller nearby. And he basically asked me that they're struggling to foster and promote the legacy of uh, Helen Keller. And I basically mentioned to them that we need to do, uh, you need to do something like uh, what uh, uh, the, uh, Make they uh, make Wish Foundation have done successfully, and if we need to keep the legacy of a Helen Keller and inspire those severely visually handicapped and or hearing handicapped youngsters, and they will be like Helen was able to do, and they will carry on and become a important part of our society, and basically. Uh, that the message was taken back to the board of director of a Helen Keller Foundation, and they basically decided the camp would be a good idea, uh, and embraced that. And I basically uh, replied to them, "I like to support." So that was a uh, ten years ago, and it's going very well. Yeah, it's a wonderful story, and and you've. You've been really involved in that community. It must be something. Have you had a chance to be able to see some of those children and, and interact with them and see the impact? Absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, they it become a, a known factor and then and not only the community, University of North Alabama uh, Department of Education. Uh, uh, excuse me, School of Education has embraced and joined as a mentor to these youngsters and, and as a volunteer as well. And, and also Lions Club in the North area has uh, also embraced and they're now sponsoring those kids to, uh, from, from different states, all the way from Wisconsin, basically. One of the uh, young lady came, was from us, sponsored by uh, State of Wisconsin Lions Club. And, and so, yes, and, and, and the area has a uniqueness to it. Uh, they are very down to earth. I, I think that they had a hardship in a sharecropper like I was in Japan and giving a second chance to be successful in the US. Uh, uh, they are survivors. Also, the uh, the area has a unique uh, music music industry. It is a capital of uh, recording rock and roll, recording uh, music uh, 
which I really enjoyed and I always loved. Uh, and and I have an opportunity to meet the legendary producer of many, many songs and the music. And also I was a, uh, able to meet the father of Muscle Show Music, Rick Hall. And uh, I was able to help uh, with an organization who were struggling to raise a fund and, and uh, launch this uh, musical production of uh, Muscle Show Music. And I was able to... Uh, get the group together and and raise sufficient funds to uh, have this uh, successful musical. I'll tell you what, the, the community support aspect of what an optometrist can do is, is one thing, but your community is really the entire country, the United States and Japan. Let's talk about the Kenji story. You were born in Japan in 1946, and then your family moved to Baldwin Park, California in 1960. What was it like to jump into your schooling when you arrived in America? Well, uh, I was born in 46, immediately after uh, World War II. Okay, so I was 13 years old. Uh, my father's business went bankrupt in Japan and they are forced to restart business without a fund, uh, funding of a banking support. And it failed and basically come down to is a, it was a hardship immigration, but it's illegal and, and with a sponsor in the San Joaquin Valley. Now, we didn't see father for five years, okay, during that time, because he was, uh, uh, he was contracted for five years. Upon that, he was able to secure green card uh, in, uh, for us. Okay, legal immigrants. And then we came five years. Now, it was an exciting day for me, not only to see my father for five years that I haven't seen, but seeing what Southern California had to offer, uh, basically America had to offer. It was so delightful, eye-opening, wealth, beauty, uh, cars, highway and etc and and uh however that i was enrolled into high school without having any competency in english i still don't but but i i i try um i couldn't speak i couldn't write in english at all but i was a good student i always was was a good student in japan and uh um, it was a challenge that I had to overcome. There was no Japanese. My parents couldn't speak. All right. Uh, I had to teach myself, myself to survive. So I had two dictionaries, English to Japanese, Japanese to English dictionary. Every night I translate everything that I have been given at the class. And Fortunately, I was able to make a good big jump to understand what was going on and had a good grade, except I had two blemish in my, my uh, grades. First year English, C, first semester, B, um, second semester, and nothing thereafter. Those are hardly blemishes. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
uh, I, for me that that I'm used to having, uh, you know, that <laughs> good grace, I guess, all my life. And and it was difficult for me to see that she, especially standing, yeah, <laughs> looking right at me, except the always in the sea, right? <laughs> yeah. What what was it like to? have the eyes on you and your upbringing in those teen years as somebody who had moved to the United States from Japan? Uh, you know, I, I, I didn't, even though there were, you know, I, I was given an opportunity and I seized the opportunity. Mm-hmm. And my friends also embraced me because I was unique. I was somewhat outgoing. Even though I couldn't speak, I had a smile because I was myop and I couldn't see people. <laughs> and so, so two and a half uh, diopter myop, and and uh, so I just smile. <laughs> and basically, they taken it as a, a positive uh, outlook of life, and and, and I become a, a good friend of many. And uh, I became a good wrestler, and and. Um, that actually did help us well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you 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 were a decorated wrestler, and well, uh, go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I let's say I was a strong wrestler, uh, muscular. <laughs> I at at the college level, I I found out that I didn't have enough flexibility because the muscular bulk was a little oh. bit uh, deterrent to be a good collegiate wrestler. I was competitive, but I, was, I wasn't that good. <laughs> That's a good explanation, too. You you went to Pacific University, as we said, and you graduated from there in 72. And then you joined the U.S. Army for a couple of years. What did you do in the Army? Well, it was interesting. Uh, that prior to appro- uh, the uh, graduation, I was accepted to a uh, master's in physiological optics. And then I... My dean and uh, my mentor, PhD uh, from Cal, actually uh, talked and developed my uh, postgraduate program and, and getting a PhD and become a professor. All right. Um, unfortunately, Vietnam War uh, took me away from a school, and during those uh, Two years, I decided not to go back because my dean moved to, to uh, another school uh, instead of at Pacific for a wrong reason. And, I, and I'll explain that to you later. But uh, so I, uh, I did not. Now, uh, two years of a school, um, and I was assigned with a combat, combat um, uh, troop. Uh, of a 104 Airborne, which was my fortune. And another further fortune is I didn't have to go to Vietnam and they retire in in Fort Campbell, Kentucky. And I was uh, named as a a chief optometrist. But in general, I reported too, did not know that uh, did not know that I couldn't prescribe medication for the combat troops over 20,000. Uh, so he actually arranged me to uh, to be, have a, a crash course in therapeutics 
by ophthalmologists, a hospital-based ophthalmologist. And, and 60 days thereafter, I was able to prescribe medication way back in 1972, remind you. Wow. So it was a wonderful experience, and, I, and myself and my uh, ophthalmologist friend become my mentor, become a good friend, and he actually regularly took me to a grand round at the Vanderbilt University uh, residency program at the Alba Ophthalmology as well. So I was very fortunate in the right place in the right time, in a meeting the right people. And this led to this incredibly successful practice in Grants Pass, Oregon. Um, what was your practice like? How did it get started? What was it like as it grew? Well, let me just tell you, first of all, I bought a, uh, a practice site unseen. Never been to the city. Never seen the practice. I just saw that uh, uh, I, I reviewed that their three-year uh, tax returns, and I said, well, I can afford it. It's Oregon. I'm going back. <laughs> and so so that was that was it. Walking into it, I actually uh, I, uh, recruited my uh, uh, my good friend, uh, classmate, to join me, and great guy, and my good study partner. And both of us look at it the first time, and said, uh, boy, we got a problem. Two patients a day. How do we keep ourselves <laughs> busy? <laughs> and... Uh, so that's where I went to work. And uh, I'm grateful that he trusted me to do a lot of things that uh, we have done. And uh, uh, and, and uh, we, uh, uh, the first thing what I have done, excuse me, was uh, find another location where we could keep us, uh, start another satellite clinic and uh, uh, keep us busy. And uh, it turned out to be very successful 30 miles away from where we were. And then you, and involved with the community, uh, I started a wrestling program for the youth that become a model for entire Southern Oregon. And involved with the local government, local school, and uh, a few other things, Alliance Club, and involved with the Lions Club, once again, uh, you know, that the, my relationship with the Helen Keller comes in there. And 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 become a very successful practice. And then from there, we brought four other associates and ophthalmologists rotating through ours. And we had a laser center, first one in the uh, United States. Before before, uh, I shouldn't say the first one in the United States, but first OD-owned laser in, in our small town. So look at it, always uh, looking ahead and, and beyond the box and what is the cutting edge? Where is the industry going? What do I want to do? What I would enjoy doing, and et cetera. That's a great story. And you also had a strong commitment to organized optometry. Um, you were president of the Oregon Association in 1984, and you were one of the people that helped found GUECO. Um, how did GUECO come to be? Yeah, uh, it, it, it's, it's my good friend and a mentor, Dr. John Rush, was running for Board of Trustee of AOA. I soon realized. I guess I became a, his campaign manager and, and at the AOA uh, Congress. And uh, 
I recognize that the importance of an alliance for him to be elected. A model of uh, those days, uh, and still even today, is a sequel. And I realized that we need to have an alliance of uh, states on the West Coast. And, and I recruited many of my friends from uh, association uh, connection on the West Coast. And they embraced the same ideal as I did. And that evolved into that small beginning of a election emphasized the alliance became a educational uh, convention of the West Coast. Now they, we have 13 states involved, including California. And it's had staying power. I was involved many, many years ago with the North Central uh, group, right. and uh, that's really sort of a loose group now, no conference, but Gwekos continued to be strong. Uh, I'm sure the pandemic has had its influence, but it's going uh, good for Gweco, isn't it? Yes, it is. Uh, it, 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 it's still going very well. Yes, they had a hiccup because of one year of a pandemic, but I think they'll be back as good as they have been because they have 13 states behind and all the leadership uh, uh, Bolivian uh, organization that has been very helpful. He also have a unique sh uh, financial sharing um, uh, program behind it. So they have a commitment for the association in many ways, not only on association, but uh, regionally as well, and also nationally. Uh, and so with that in mind, I, I, they'll be continue to be successful. You know, this idea of committing to the profession like you have to the community in so many ways has gotten you some awards. And you're somebody who's not really there to get attention. You prefer not to have a lot of spotlight. And yet you received the AOA Distinguished Service Award. You've been inducted into the National Optometry Hall of Fame. Um, and so your humility is wonderful, and it's what makes you special. How can you use your voice on this meeting and with me to convey a message to today's optometrists to commit to giving back to the profession? Well, I, I, you know, it's basically, first of all, that I never look for the award. Awards come just because. Uh, I, I think that the uh, I, my whole idea is uh, giving back to the profession, who, which has been good to me and my family as well. And with a, my humble beginning from nothing to where I am today, I'm eternally grateful. And, and uh, it's basically come down to sharing what you have. We are fortunate to be a top percent of a financial, uh, you know, financially, uh, uh, the uh, wage owner in any community around the country. If we can do to give and share what we have, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to be big, you know, and in any way, well, in-kind service would be fine as well. Uh, then who can? And it's important to us to, to support the community and therefore. Yes. And you've also been successful in business 
beyond the practice. You and I share uh, a background in that we built businesses to serve optometrists. <laughs> yep. And OOGP was built to serve optometrists' needs to improve their buying power, but it even transcended buying groups. So can you give us a sense of how OOGP was built and how it's impacted its optometry customers? Yeah. Um... It really was not an intention to build a business like what we did. It's a, it's a whole idea began with uh, when I was a state president. And so when I finished my tenure, I basically stepped forward and said, you know, I have a few dollars. I think I could do something like this that will help. And that whole thing was begun. And then uh, we were successful in, in a, as a buying group. Then uh, a couple of years later, the industry was evolving into distribution business, especially soft contact lenses. And we became uh, one of the largest distributors with the warehouses and doing distribution because we had, we embraced the technology of online shopping cart way back in 1986, remind you. And so, being able to see what's coming and what needs to be done and how you can. And, and it's, it's another small way of giving back. And it impacted the other states, not just Oregon, but throughout the nation. And, and, and it, it could not have done without having a infrastructure in support of my wife, who was a computer literate way back. And she gave up motherhood to become, uh, join me and running the uh, uh, financial part of a business uh, over OGP until my retirement. So that's 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 simply is it. It's a there's a lot of people that are who actually believing in OGP and 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 basically support it. And we were uh, some way to give it back to and, that organization. And that that core need for the independent DCP to get a better buying power was way ahead of doctor alliance groups and, and other means. And, and that was really the core value at the beginning for the doctors that wanted to use your service. Do I have that right? That is correct. That is so correct. Uh, and, and and you're right on the money there. Um, it's it's uh, it's because of a distribution and uh, uh, the manufacturers of a contact lenses are moving away because uh, a sales force and management and uh, uh, shipping costs is uh, prohibitive and also uh, locally based uh, warehouses can service them uh, the doctors quicker without having to purchase a lot of uh, inventory on hand. So we became an inventory to the doctors and we were able to provide uh, almost 90% of people overnight. And, and consequently that helped uh, uh, our patients around the country as well at the same time. It seems so logical of a business story to tell in the year 2021, but the reality is when you started, it just wasn't the norm. I started practice in 91, and uh, and those offerings of groups like OOGP were really important to us to make it through. 
And uh, what a great early idea you had there. Well, yeah, uh, thank you. Um, I, 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 I was all, always admired of a new business of some kind. And I, I basically, the, 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 the organization that was starting way back in the distribution, in pharmaceutical distribution, was in McCassum and Cardinals in Brunswick and such. I basically saw that as opportunity in a similar to that. Uh, and, and it basically taking that idea, it wasn't my idea. And being involved is a wonderful thing. Uh, you meet a lot of people and you find the new ideas and a uh, lot smarter than I am in many ways that it's, it's, it's a connection that will allow you to expand your horizon and not only the professional endeavors, but uh, business endeavors and personal relationship you develop over years at the same time. Well, the good news is that with all of that hard work and that life of sharing, um, you've really enjoyed retirement. Uh, you love golfing. You were very gracious to my son Blake and me when we did Band and Dunes together about 10 or more years ago. Yeah. <laughs> you've become engaged in bird watching. And I know you enjoy your family and your grandchildren. So tell the, the audience that hasn't talked to you in a while, what's it like to be Kenji Hamada in retirement? Busy. <laughs> no surprise. It's just a, just another different chapter. Okay. Uh, I didn't really step away. Uh, I was an advisor to uh, president of SLO for a few years. I worked as a volunteer for uh, Optometry Care Foundation as a board of trustees. Uh, I continued to work as a consultant, non-pay consultant to my friends in the industry that are uh, developing a, a retail a regional retail alliance as a professional group. Uh, I write articles. I still ask to be uh, advisory board over this and that. And uh, my biggest thing is a charity, supporting charity. Yeah, uh, I, I enjoy golfing. I travel extensively and never imagined that of what I have done. But, you know, it's it's... I didn't even know that my brother was one of the key uh, business drivers for golf business in Japan. She, uh, he actually uh, pr practically single-handed built a company called PM uh, Perspective Golf Management, PGM, which became a uh, number one golf business in Japan until I landed in Japan uh, as a, a after retirement business. I mean, trip. I, and then my son-in-law, uh, second daughter's husband, so father, who was back then, was uh, uh, one of the executives of a tailor-made, who has signed uh, Dustin Johnson, Jason Day, and uh, uh, Adam Scott, and a few others, okay? And, and I, I didn't know connection of, a, uh, you know, it's basically, uh, how can you get better than golfing? Okay, number one, you've got a good friends that you get to uh, uh, play with, like yourself and your son, who is, uh, it was, uh, was an incredible experience for me as well. And then you meet other people, then beautiful setting, right? 
if you, if you can play, you can, you can still enjoy the scenery and the company. And I can't get better than that. Get away That's from right. the office. It's, it's the bad golfing on the on the beautiful golf course is better than any day in the office. <laughs> and you also shared your, one of your daughters with the profession. Uh, she's an optometrist, right? Yes. Yeah. And it's very um, successful. She has done well, and she has uh, been involved with uh, uh, the organized uh, profession from day one, even in school. And I did, too, also, you know, and uh, uh, I'm uh, proud of her uh, and to join in the rank of an uh, uh, optimist position as she is, and she actually practiced uh, 10, 12 years in Hawaii before she was hired away to J&J for global research uh, director, then uh, Luxatica as uh, OD development, and now she's a consultant to a company called Asanitas Advisory. And, and, and she has been involved with a national organization, uh, AOA as well, as a volunteer. So I'm I'm part of her, and my two other kids, school teacher, second, husband is school teacher, they are wonderful teachers, and my son, he stayed, remained uh, with the company, but he had, uh, he was a good football player in the high school level in the States, and, uh, yeah, and, and uh, continued to be a good father and, uh, uh, and uh, working for the company and as a VP uh, of logistics. And those grandkids, so, they keep you busy? Oh, uh, well, you know what? Uh, yes, they, can, they actually can keep themselves busy. My wife is uh, get a lot of credit for uh, babysitting uh, and mentoring those kids. I go out there and I, I spend a couple hours and I'm tired already. <laughs> and so, yes, I, I really enjoyed them. And I think they're going to be a great people. And hopefully I've saved the best for last. You're a man of many sayings. Uh, you started with one of your mom's sayings at the beginning of our story. I want to share a couple with the audience and have, that, have you react. The first is a quote of Helen Keller that says, alone, we can do so little. Together, we can do so much. What does that mean to you? Well, that's exactly that. Um, it doesn't matter whether it's uh, it's a practice. You have to have a teamwork. You can only see do so so little, but you need to delegate, and uh, it's basically giving the best care as possible to the patients. Is a teamwork from beginning to end. It doesn't end just because of it. I see the patient. And it doesn't end after I see the patient because they may go optician. They have to have, have a help, uh, follow-up uh, appointments, et cetera. So that's one and in the one scenario. And second scenario is uh, uh, our profession and association, whether it's a state level, uh, level or a local or a national level. Uh, we are limited by membership of, uh, you know, the, the finite uh, license of optometrists around the nation, which is a lot smaller in the profession 
uh, as compared to medical profession. But uh, we have done very well because of uh, uh, teamwork and, uh, and, and such. Uh, I, I think see, everything is a teamwork. It's just like building the, uh, you know, the, the good football, basketball team. It's not the superstar, but you got to have a teamwork. Yeah. Uh, I was fortunate to be at UCLA when Coach Wooden was there, and we enjoyed. But it's basically, we had a one superstar, Los Endor, Kareem, but they had a great team. And a great team, best team that I have enjoyed is a no-name team, won the National NCAA Championship, the first one with a, with for uh, UCLA. Yeah, it was a teamwork. Yeah. And the other phrase that I've heard you use, and, and you've written it down, so I'm going to share it, is don't forget that America is still the land of opportunity, and therefore you can make anything happen if you just put your mind to it. How about giving the audience some thoughts about how important it's been for you to live this very global life and do what you've been able to do here? I, I, you know, I have a personal experience uh, coming from Japan and going back and traveling worldwide. No matter what people says, and uh, uh, that you have opportunity to step up and become something special in your life, future life. Um, there is a very limited public school provision in Japan that the, uh, the compulsory education is a nine years, not. 12 years such as what we do have here, okay? And, and so uh, looking at standard living, healthcare, it doesn't matter. Uh, and, and the cars that we do have, we enjoy, and cost of uh, living as well as the cost of gas. Japan is one gallon of gas is uh, $6. Here, still is less than three dollars and so and and instead of living is so much higher and we are able to in educational system allow you to excel and evolve into something special and make yourself alive any any time and uh, i really do believe education is a key emphasis and the future is among our kids even still today giving the opportunity. Uh, the, this uh, non-verbal non, uh, Japanese who came as a 13-year-old can evolve into where I am today, you have a much better opportunity to succeed than I would have. And, and you know, but what makes your story so tremendous, all of these stories, is that you took the initiative and that, my friend, is what so many people appreciate about what you've done, not only for optometry, but for the people that are around you. So on behalf of all of them, thank you for your contributions. Any last thoughts for the audience? Well, I, I, I think I already said what, what, what I already said. Optometry is a wonderful profession, and now, now is a streamlining of healthcare. And uh, in my opinion, we have uh, 
future in the healthcare system much brighter than where we, where I was, and where we are today. Um, and so keep up your good work, and uh, I think your, uh, uh, you know, what I call return on investment will be much better, and you have a healthy life and a healthy future for future uh, professionals among. Uh, our chosen profession of optometry and and uh, and I think that the uh, uh, you just need to embrace and involve and evolve. Thank you, Dr. Kenji Hamada. Thank you very much. Thank you, Dr. Jans. Have a good day. And to day. the audience, thank you, Kenji. And to the audience, thanks for listening to this awesome sandbox story. Until my next sandbox story, be great at all you do. Thank you.